Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. Fernando Perez is a former seventh-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Rays, who played a role of some consequence in that team's turnaround season of 2008. He's also, to the best of this podcaster's knowledge, the only professional baseball player to be published in Poetry Magazine during his career. And he is, finally, and fortunately for us, the guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. In what follows, I catch up with Mr. Perez in Beijing, China. We start off by discussing why the hell he's in China to begin with. We also address in some depth a pair of writing projects on which he's working, one of the literary variety, another of the sporting. And Mr. Perez also shares with us some things that one should not think while in the batter's box of a professional baseball game. If listening to interviews like this one with Fernando Perez is something that appeals to you, a way that you can assure that it'll continue to happen is by going to iTunes and giving this podcast, Fangraphs Audio, five-star rating, writing a heartfelt comment about same. While that doesn't necessarily put money directly into our pockets, it does help make a greater number of people aware of the podcast, which in turn makes a greater number of people aware of Fangraphs generally. As you're making your way to iTunes, though, certainly don't hesitate to listen to this interview with Fernando Perez right now. What uh, what are you? It's wonderful. What are you doing in China? Um, I've been uh, on about a two month tour of uh, I guess four different countries, um, and the the last two countries, Mongolia and China, I've come here explicitly because um, I have very close friends in both of these places, and I've been meaning to get there. Um, just being curious about both places for a long time. And I speak no Mongolian, nor do I speak any Chinese or any of uh, the dialects. So I'm pretty much just taking advantage of the fact that I have uh, very close friends that do speak the language and are um, taking me uh, all around to kind of um, satisfy some of this curiosity that I've had about these places. And so where, where, cause China is a giant place, it turns out. Where, yeah. <laughs> where are you in, in that country? Giant! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm mostly based in Beijing. Um, my close friend here is, uh, a college buddy. His name is Matthew Niederhauser. He's been, um, on the scene here for about five years. Um, pretty much attempting on his blog to, um, cover, um, what is, uh, next and of interest, um, mostly, uh, you know, arts and music. Um, he's, uh, kind of made a name for himself, uh, putting, putting out this book called sound capital, which he, um, he basically over a long period of time, he took a lot of photographs of, um, a lot of the bands coming through to play at this very special place called D22. It's pretty much um, Beijing's um, equivalent of CBGBs during the, the really um, I, I relevant or influential time. I guess those are both the wrong adjectives, but I think, I think you know what I mean. And um, yeah, so he's just he's a photographer and um, ends up having a really really um, fun schedule of events to hit. And I came specifically to help him with um, a hip hop uh, documentary uh, about the Iron Mike competition, which is this um, like ten year old um, freestyle hip hop competition. So we went to Shanghai to film one of the preliminaries which was somewhat lackluster, but the, the finals in Beijing were unbelievable. And I've basically just been, um, with, uh, my camera impersonating, um, Matthew's assistant impersonating a professional photographer. So I've gotten like some, um, uh, really, really great access, uh, which has been really, really fun. So that's pretty much been here. And Mongolia, I'm, I'm, I was visiting a friend that is, um, uh, writing a dissertation on the mining industry that will um, will change Mong- Mongolia um, 
quite a bit. It's already starting to begin, but I think um, mostly it's known. I think um, in like a, like a like the intellectual rung of people, I think the average um, Mongolian um, isn't quite hip to. Um, all of the implications of, of what's going to go on. So that's really, that's super interesting work, but I was mostly, um, in Ulaanbaatar, the capital with her, uh, um, while she was writing, I was working on my own things and, uh, I took a couple trips into the countryside, but I'm, I'm very certain that I'm going to come back to both of these places. Mongolia is pretty, um, pretty miserable in the winter and this isn't even quite winter yet but it was way cold for me um and i'm certainly interested in seeing more of china and i'm sure i'll be back to both of these places so so essentially you're um you're using your and this is uh, and i i totally support this mission but uh, you're using your friends as a to help you as a sort of destinations along your tourist path <laughs> yeah <laughs> I hope that they would do that with me. Uh, I at least, I at least, um, did that, uh, somewhat in, I, I started off in, uh, Managua, uh, in Nicaragua, mostly in Managua, but in a few different places in Nicaragua and Belize with some, um, you know, Westerners that don't speak any Spanish. So, uh, I'd like to say that I did my part, but really, um, <laughs> it was, uh, what, what the hospitality and, um, and the experiences afforded by my friends out here have been really, really mind blowing. Um, especially since I'm just such a, you know, fish out of water over here. I, I speak no Chinese. I can pretty much just like smile and, and bow and, um, I can say thank you and hello. Yeah, well, be polite. I know that. Um, so my my wife studies French uh, here at the University of Wisconsin, and so so sometimes I find myself in that country, and I find that um, just saying sorry a lot in, is like the surest way to endear myself to foreign people. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I apologize for my, I apologize for my presence. <laughs> yeah. I do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I find I have to do it as well. The, uh, now you said you said you were working <coughs> on some of your own stuff while you were in Mongolia yeah, as well. Excuse my hacking cough because I've been in two of the most uh, <laughs> polluted cities of air polluted cities um, in the world. Ulaanbaatar um, is like living kind of like in a muffler, um, and Beijing is is better but not as well. So. I may do some coughing. Yeah, do it. Go for it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm working on some different things. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe that we should kind of not talk so much about those things and maybe when, when we talk about the writing, sort of talk about what, what has brought us, uh, here in this podcast for the next part of writing. Yeah, um, well, yeah, and, and we can do that. Project. Let's let's get um, maybe before we do that, let's sort of get an update because you are a baseball player. I think it's a we haven't said that so far, but you're Fernando Perez, who's a good baseball player and perhaps uh, uh, beset by injuries a little bit that have uh, that haven't helped you out. But can we get like a sort of a status update on on exactly yeah. how, how that's going for you? Um, Sure. Uh, I'm a free agent for the first time in my life, and it's um, um, it's very, very strange. I've been uh, a Ray for my pretty much my entire career up until this very strange, strange, strange year. Um, but yeah, you know, every spring training was, you know, I knew I was going to see the same people. I was probably going to live with, you know. Uh, the same people like John Jaso and, you know, Longo, Longo and Reed and, you know, see all the same guys, you know, Carl and, and BJ and, and all of that. And, um, things changed very, uh, quickly. I got traded. And so things change. I, I really, uh, the best way to, um, to explain, you know, the early minor leagues, if things go sort of smoothly, for you for whatever reason. Um, there are some guys that are just lifers because, um, they don't attract trades. Some guys get, uh, become lifers, say, in an organization, 
Um, and I mean by a lifer, just like kind of like an extended period, say like, you know, four to five years. And so it's a lot like college, you know, um, or, you know, high school where you get used to the same people, you see them all. It's like kind of all of you, all you know. And when you guys get together, you, you know, share, um, inside jokes about the organization and, you know, all of that thing. Um, things changed very dramatically for me. I, I, uh, I was traded. Uh, I went through a spring training for a big market organization, the Chicago Cubs, and um, that was interesting. And um, I, I started off horribly, and then I started playing well, and then I got called into an office, and I thought, I thought, mate, I mean, who knows? They're not playing so well. Maybe I'm going to the big leagues. Crazier things have happened, and. Uh, uh, instead I was fired <laughs> and, and, um, I took about uh, a week, um, or so to kind of just think about what to do next. There were a lot of different feelings because it was, um, quite a strange, a strange year, which, um, uh, who knows, maybe we'll get into it or maybe it'll remain ominous. But, uh, after about a week or so or two weeks, I, I signed with the Mets and I, I played for them for a while. Um, lived in Buffalo, which is a tremendously underrated city, especially in the summertime. I had a really great time there. Met some great people there. Um, didn't play so great. Um, and yeah, as a result, I, I was going to be a free agent at the end of that year. Um, this year, anyway, once I was released uh, from the Cubs. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm kind of just waiting for some stacks to some chips to fall, and by chips I mean outfielders. Um, and <laughs> see where some of these guys sign. Um, this may sound, this may annoy some people. I, I could imagine that um, have those like well-worn hats of their cities, but you'd have to imagine a player in my position is. Um, I'm essentially. Um, trying to find the worst outfield in baseball and try, try to sign there. And, um, you know, uh, sorry to put it that way, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's kind of, I think it's kind of the, the right, <laughs> the right way to look at it. Um, I've, I've also looked at it other ways. Um, I, you know, going back to the Rays organization, um, I, I have some tremendous bonds there and I thought immediately, ah, well, just go, go sign with Tampa Bay because um, I I played pretty well for them for a short amount of time and you know maybe that could you know buy me a, an invite to spring training if I was you know if I was in a position where nobody else wanted me maybe I could you know call Andrew Friedman up and um, you know get him laughing and maybe <laughs> you know maybe he. He'd invite me to spring training. It's a, it's just a different, uh, sort of thing. It, it was, uh, whereas at one point, um, you know, uh, I, you know, I guess you're in more demand. There comes a time where, you know, I don't, I don't exactly at this point have a ton of offers lined up. I'm even considering playing in some other places. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I, uh, started the season in Mexico or even considered, um, playing in the Atlantic League to stay, um, close to my parents, um, and a lot of my, um, beloved friends, like in the New York area. Um, and I've also considered some of those leagues that start a little bit later because, um, I've, I've been working, uh, when I'm not distracted and when I'm, when I'm able to, I'm, I've not been working, uh, very much on writing of late because I've just had sensory overload from, um, from Beijing being back in a first world country, whereas in, other, in all of the other countries where things were, um, a lot more simple, um, I, I found it easier to write. But, um, I've, I've considered even putting, um, it's, it's something that I'm nearing, nearing being finished and I'd, I'd really, I think that I might benefit even on the field from turning that, that corner, this sort of like literary corner that I would like to turn. And sometimes I think that, um, I'll, I'll be ready, um, like mentally to go play once I'm, once I'm, uh, done with it. 
Now, when you say so, this literary corner, uh, does that is that are you discussing the the project that we had um, emailed back and forth about, or or is this a, a sort of more no, of just uh, a, yeah? Now now it's actually I should just say it because it's just getting ridiculous. <laughs> now, <laughs> but, I've 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 always um, I've I've never ever uh, considered myself as a writer anymore. <laughs> any more than a poet, and that sounds like something that I think a poet would take offense to. Um, you know, the, the poetry community is a small world, and uh, uh, small worlds are easily offended, I find. And even to call poetry a small world itself is offensive, so I'm, I'm continually shooting myself. In yeah, you are. You are. Luckily, the, luckily the, the power of the poetry lobby is uh, pretty small. <laughs> and their ability to sink you might be might be limited. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, I've been working for the last uh, year, really, on a fiction project that's really like the first sort of thing that I've ever done like that. So it's very very difficult, and I found it um, near impossible um, to work on actually during the season. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, so it's 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 difficult. And um, but it, it has become uh, something that I've been um, sort of obsessing over. It's been consuming me a little bit. And um, what I mentioned before is that there's the slight sensation that if um, if I don't um, finish finish and and finish is is a very gray term, but if I don't um, a little bit further from where I am now, uh, I, I feel I, I almost I, I fear entering the season uh, again um, with that sort of hanging over over my head because that's uh, a little bit it, I felt a little bit that way uh, last year because again it's been um, a little a little bit over a year that I've been um, really kind of uh, really kind of trying to plug the the like poetry valve and, and um, you know, work uh, on this. And this is just more, more work. Um, poetry for me is a, is an easier, it's an easier thing. It's uh, more like an autonomic thing. Whereas um, this is, this is difficult and confusing and, um, um, and, yeah, let's let's leave it those those two. Right. Well, it's because I mean the nice thing about poems, right, is that you can be done pretty quickly. Um, it it's sort of it's yeah. more, it's it's more like a, I mean to make a, I guess a baseball metaphor, it would be more akin to like a, a how a how a relief pitcher, a high leverage relief pitcher might work. So you just sort of yeah. need a brilliance in short bursts. Um, whereas, right, working on an extended piece. You, you don't. Uh, it doesn't offer that same sort of comp- sense of completion that you can have f- from a great poem. I mean, like, uh, what's the uh, the, Ed, the Ezra Pound poem um, where he talks about like on a wet black bow? Uh, it's only like two lines, and yet it's brilliant. Uh, and so, if you're Ezra Pound in that case, of course he wrote the Cantos, which is considerably longer. Yeah. But but yeah. It, you're like, oh, something 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 on a wet black bow, and then you're just like, ta-da. And then you can feel good for the rest of the day, you know. But like, yeah, but right yeah. in, the, in the midst of a longer project, though, you're you, there's no, you don't necessarily have that uh, feedback. I guess you don't have that feedback so quickly. Yeah, it's uh, yes, it, it, um, constructing a larger structure. Um, there are uh, it, it is it, it's it's more difficult. A larger structure is more precarious. Got to get a lot. I, I would imagine, you know, there are more beams. Uh, there's all sorts of all sorts of things. Um, and again, it's um, it's a newer it's a newer thing, and it's um, it's more. I mean, I'm 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 enjoying it. It's um, it's just sort of like an odyssey. It's it's you know just kind of like hopping in a plane. It's some more travel. Well, you so I think I don't think I'm saying anything too. Um Clever when I note that these are not generally the concerns of the average baseball player. Perhaps I'm wrong, right? But um, I, I wonder, like, from whom would you seek counsel on these matters? You know, I mean, not uh, because you know it's nice to have voices in one's life that can you could say, oh, like, you know, how should I go about this? How should I go about this? 
But I wonder, as a person who's talented both at baseball and also at writing and trying to pursue those in a way that makes you happy, but also not letting one get in the way of the other, I'm wondering, you know, do you do you have people from whom you see, you can seek counsel on those matters, or is it just a you sort of um, I guess kind of throw together you know find find different voices and kind of uh, try and find a composite? It's, more, it, it's certainly more connecting dots. It's certainly more um, you know like like lattice work. It's more um, connecting lots of um, ideas and feedback from from different friends that I have, but yeah, there's certainly, um, you know, not a, um, you know, on base percentage, uh, poetry mentor that I can specifically ask for counsel, but I don't, I don't really think that, uh, you know, that there really needs to be the whole thing feels, um, you know, pretty, pretty natural for me. And kind of as a, as a rule, I, I don't, I, I sort of don't want it to, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to force anything like crazy upon myself. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, I don't, I don't want to, I, I really, I, I kind of don't want to really, uh, make it a big deal that having, uh, the, the thing separate has, has been sort of, uh, a natural sort of process, perhaps slower. Um, you know, um, it's, uh, I think of, um, you know, when it's cold and you're walking with two or, you know, three people, um, you're definitely walking slower. Uh, you could have a better time. Perhaps it might be warmer. You're walking slower. You're getting, you're getting to where, to where you need to be slower. It's tougher to fit through the door. All of these things. Maybe that is, um, sort of a metaphor for what, what is, you know, gone on with me but you know maybe it's maybe it's uh, a lot more simple and that's like just a just um you know something that i can see in hindsight since i've um clearly not been um you know so successful in the last couple of years and you know we probably wouldn't even be <laughs> we probably wouldn't even be here um you know talking if it wasn't for um having been um effective at, at the game of baseball. <laughs> you think, it, would you be too famous for Fangraphs Audio, do you think? No, I'd be, no, I was thinking exactly the opposite. It just would have, it would have just been, uh, you know, we, we, I, I would have been gone in double A and I would have been, I don't know, doing something. Well, your story, your baseball story is interesting too, uh, uh, for the baseball nerd because you, um, because your developmental, your earliest developmental years were spent in an organization that is also sort of like a baseball nerd's fantasy world in the Tampa Bay Rays, mm-hmm. and um, and I know that I've also listened to um, at least one conversation with you, if not more, uh, courtesy David Lorela, who now writes for Fangraphs. Yeah, he's so great. Yeah, well, yeah, Dave is a nice guy. I wonder, how did you guys meet? Was it just was it through his BP work? Yeah, we met in Fenway Park. And, um, I got to talking with him and he said that this will only take about 10 minutes. And I could just tell by looking at him that we were going to talk for more than 10 minutes, um, just by the look in his eye. And it was, uh, the, the clubhouse in Fenway Park, if you've heard stories, it's about the size of the room that, that I'm in, which is, um, very small. It's, uh, it's, it's not, a, it's not a small, it's not a big, Clubhouse, and especially when uh, the writers are in there um, for uh, you know an important team, say you know a team that spends a lot of money, um, it's very very congested. But uh, that year in 2008 that I spent in the major leagues, we um, kind of forced our way into becoming an important team, and I'm I'm pretty sure that when I spoke to David first, it was uh, a big a big series. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the first one, um, in the, um, in the season series between the Rays and the Red Sox that, um, a visiting team had won a game, which was, um, really, really amazing. I mean, 2008 was, was so interesting in, in so many ways. Um, and it was, um, you know, right after BP, um, we, you know, we probably talked a little bit too long, 
uh, from, uh, you know, kind of getting ready for the game, but, you know, I was sitting on the bench and was, was, um, you know, not going to be used until later anyway. But, uh, yeah, we had a, a really, really great conversation as always. Now you've mentioned to me, uh, a different sort of writing project, um, that you, in which you're interested in and, and that would concern, it would be a little bit more baseball centric, I think. Yes, yes, and yes, this is, um, it's very interesting. It's something that I've been thinking about for, for years. And, um, between some, I mean, so many different things, uh, got in the way of it. Um, me, the, the project revolves around, um, routine and seriality. Routine is such a huge, huge buzzword in baseball. Um, it's, it is kind of, it's like always, you know, spoken, um, by, by really anyone who ever knows anything about baseball. They'll always mention routine. Um, but I've never been a routine sort of person. Um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a little cluttery and, um, I'm not very superstitious. Uh, I don't necessarily believe in routine, but, um, I would be lying not to say that in playing baseball and going from uh, a player uh, when I was drafted, I was, you know, not very good. I, I this is really every time I, I talk to uh, Jimmy Hoff, who is the field coordinator for the Rays, and Jimmy Hoff has been everywhere. He is um, one of the, the most interesting, um, you know, men in, in baseball, really, really interesting Um path that he's he's taken with all the you know different teams and amazing organizations in all the years and jimmy always just makes fun of how when they first saw me play that they were just like oh god another one of these huge projects like this kid is so far away um part of um how i uh put myself in a position uh to be considered to to um to take a shot and i say it that way because there's so many players that you come across in the minor leagues that um they're there you know they're they're right there sometimes in a ball guys that um you know that i played with in a ball that that i thought were better players and for whatever reason something happens that you know the next year that doesn't quite put them in that position to say get on the 40 man or to be a guy that gets to go to a big league camp or even gets to go to a big league game and potentially take an at bat in front of the big league manager and impress him so that he, you know, thinks of him when um, a ton of shit hits the fan and, and a player is needed. Um, a lot of the things that got me to that, uh, to that next level were routine things. Um, a lot of them, most of them, uh, about batting, hitting off the tee, different drills. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not black and white. It's, it, you, you can certainly be cynical and look at it as, um, you know, it's, it was just, they were schemes of muscle memory. The routine really didn't matter, but you know, routine, um, does, it tends to simplify things in our, in our brains and, um, I think clears, clears a lot of anxiety. So anyway, the, the project, um, it is revolved around seriality, all of these things that, you know, sort of New Year's resolutions that I said, you know, before every game, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Um, and then um, last year, I started thinking about it more, that it would be more interesting if um, there was something that um, that I did before uh every game i guess in 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 to be specific in in 2010 when i was still with the rays i thought that the angle was to um get on camera say for a minute um and talk about what i know about the coming game what i know about the pitcher the conditions um our pitcher certain certain things um and, you know, possibly a little, you know, personal drizzle or drivel. Um, and then last year I was thinking that um, perhaps the best angle would be to, um, to, to whether I attempt 
to adhere to, say, a strict routine or not, whatever happens, to document it um, very, um, very systematically so that, say, you know, every page you opened, um, you know, it would be a lot of it could be as reducible to lists, um, you know, half of half a crate of blueberries consumed, um, um, int- um, spontaneous conversation with um, with somebody in an elevator that gave me goosebumps, like all of these potentially um, all of these things that could potentially uh, change the course of um, what I bring to the game, um, which is really, really important um, in any sport, even, you know, in a, in a team sport, say, um, you know, like football or basketball, where, um, you know, you, you, you count on people to, um, to, you know, to, you know, pull their weight on a team. But baseball is a particularly interesting, um, I think, game for this, just because um, it really, really is an individual game with this team concept sort of draped, uh, draped around it that we're, you know, that, that everybody, uh, I mean, it's, we all are in accord that, that it is a team sport, but it's, um, it's, it's almost, it's like a religious leap, really. Um, it's, it is truly, um, an individual sport. So, um, the, the states of mind, uh, and, and states of preparedness, which all of the players, um, each day arrive, uh, in which they arrive, um, is very, very important. And, um, so this sounds like a, like an OCD fantasy almost. It is, it is strange, you know, it totally could be compensatory for my, you know, cluttery, (laughs) you know, sort of cluttery, uh, you know, nature. Um, it, it totally could be, but, um, I think that it could be, Fun, a eh, which drives most of um, most of the you know uh, you know extracurricular endeavors of mine. Um, but I think uh, that you know I have this crazy idea that um, it could it could perhaps help me get on track. Uh, maybe you know maybe uh, you know the the process uh, day by day of um, being more thoughtful about everything um, could, you know, perhaps um, help me help me get it back together. As as you mentioned, very 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 kindly, um, you know, sure you could look at you could look at uh, what's happened uh, to my career, and you could just you know read uh, major surgery, major surgery looks as though he was. Um, much more effective before those and after them he's he's not been so effective um but i'm you know living the you know all of the games uh being you know sort of run out there continually as a as a starting player by by teams that thought that you know i was gonna uh sort of get it back it definitely felt that there was something um some sort of uh a mental focus that I was without. And, um, it was certainly, um, at times, um, I'm, I'm, you know, very sure, um, as simple as, as pain, uh, pain puts you in a different state when you go about doing, um, you know, what you're doing. If you're experiencing pain when you're doing all of these things, say every time you catch a ball, it hurts. Um, it changes the way you feel, uh, about playing catch. If every time you get jammed on an inside fastball, it hurts. It, it changes the way you feel about hitting said inside fastball. Um, there have been some periods of that, but then there have been some periods of, um, of, of feeling, um, totally, um, you know, up to the task and, um, you know, being without something. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, uh, just like you said, like a, like an OCD, like <laughs> fantasy. Sure. Um, um, it, it could be looked at, you know, uh, like a, like a last ditch effort of, of some sort. Um, but, uh, I think that even, um, you know, if, if this was just a thing that, you know, uh, I talked about and no one 
ever saw it, uh, I think that it would be for myself just a very interesting sort of relic um, about uh, what I would imagine is, you know, a very, very important year. I, I would imagine a third uh, terrible year and, um, you know. Well, you know, uh, in this way, Fangraph's audio um, might serve as a sort of talisman positive talisman we actually had uh, at the beginning of the season I don't, I don't know if you've ever come across matt antonelli uh he was a second base project uh, prospect in the padre system for a while and then had some problems with his um he had problems you know with a wrist and that really uh that was a real problem for him um and he played he played play third base for the padres triple a team this year uh no in fact uh, no, he was actually so he got he got released by the Padres before last year, and then was signed by the Nationals, for whom he played. Yeah, but he played in uh, he must have played in Syracuse then. I assume you must have come around him at some point. Yeah, I think I think uh, at the end of last season. Yeah, um, I think certainly have heard the name before. Yeah, and uh, and Matt is actually an interesting guy too. He. Um, he actually maintains, uh, with startling regularity, a blog um, that is available on the internet, as a lot of blogs are. And he's, uh, he, but he's very thoughtful. Um, and it was clear that uh, he was frustrated by not just the injuries, but actually sort of what you're what you're mentioning is is trying to, at some level, remember remember what it was like to play baseball and be and and be that good. Um, before the injury, because for him, I think it did. It also became mental. Um, yes. Because it's like because you're like, oh, I was I'm really good at baseball, but but like my body's not for whatever reason isn't behaving the way to which I've become accustomed. Um, but he mm-hmm. actually he actually had a really great season this year, and and he just signed uh, maybe a week or two ago. He just signed a major league contract with the Orioles. So. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's really good for Manitinelli. Um, especially considering that you know he, he he basically had two he basically had two non seasons in in um, you know between oh uh, nine and in in two thousand ten two thousand ten he had two plate appearances the entire season um, and, he, wow. and he totally came back so I mean that's that's just an indication of you know of a player who uh, who happens to be the only other, other uh, uh, player to sniff the major leagues that we've had on the on the podcast but who's also and the reason i wanted to have him on and he was exciting to have on is because he's thoughtful about it you know but i wonder you're you're talking about like that idea of routine and i know that at some level like you know especially in the batter's box self-reflection is not a benefit it's not helping you in the batter's box and whereas you know if you can get into a like a mental place and routine is often a, a sort of medium for getting there where you're you you are relying on the most basic aspects of your you know your sort of physicality. I imagine that's that is what that's what routine helps with. It it's this, it creates this great anxiety management system. And yeah yeah well another yes another um, you know idea that I had um, since you know since I'm a hitter um, is. When you there, there was a uh, a little effort I think a couple of years ago by uh, the the batting one of the batting uh, gurus with the with the Rays, um, where they were I think they made every player in spring training that hadn't been a AAA or something. So I I think that there was a cutoff. I didn't have to do this. Um, they made them. Um, I think explain their at bats and the decisions that they made. Um, and that's something that I'm, that I'm very, very interested in because, um, when you, you talk about, you know, the season is long and it's, it's difficult. What I, what I've found, um, it's, it's difficult to write during the season. It's difficult to do, you know, a lot of, a lot of things, but, um, you know, in a given, in a given night, I mean, I, I, I could see, six pitches i could see 27 pitches um and you know 
you make very particular decisions that that uh, you know change the entire course of the game. I mean, uh, well, in the in the course of 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 your fortune, um, in the game. I mean, the story, uh, the story, the entire story of a game could be, you know, one pitch that for some reason you were not um, ready for. Um, just, you know, kind of thinking something you should not have been thinking. And here is a get-me-over-fastball that splits the plate at 85 with the man in scoring position. And um, um, that's a really, really huge deal. Um, I thought that, um, you know, a more uh, day-to-day, sort of a more thoughtful, um, you know, account of, of uh, a really kind of, like, you know, uber accountability, sort of, sort of saying, you know, um, yesterday, uh, or in, you know, in tonight's game, I saw this pitch and, uh, the proper thing to do. And, you know, my snap thought process was this, um, you know, that's something that I could imagine could escalate into, um, into some cleaner, uh, thinking, some sort of, uh, you know, more, uh, more natural sort of thinking, free thinking. And that sounds really, really ridiculous because, you know, um, I think, you know, just, just hearing it out of my mouth, it sounds like, oh, well, you're going to, you're going to think about not thinking like professionally, uh, <laughs> and very pragmatically in order to not think. But, um, when you think about it, uh, in terms of, Always, I mean, every, another one of these, uh, baseball coach buzzwords is having a plan, um, at the plate, say. And, um, if you don't have, I mean, you, you can hit and not have any sort of plan. There are some guys that do that and they do that very well. Um, I'm not one of those guys. Um, those guys are, um, for the most part, they're, they're six five, um, and they've got unbelievable hand eye. Um, I've got great hand eye and great sight. Uh, I'm not six five. Um, you know, I weigh uh, about 185 pounds when I'm traveling, and um, when I'm kind of in my, uh, you know, sumo wrestler uh, lift and get large thing. I mean, I can you know get up to about um, you know 95 or uh, you know, 200 pounds. I'm, I'm not a, a huge guy, so, um, I can't really just kind of like let it fly and, and roll dice. I have to, uh, you know, more tactically, uh, tactfully, tactically, like get, get to my hits. Um, so, uh, you know, having, having a plan, uh, everyone can fake it at the plate. Guys can fake having a plan. Um, Guys are so used to in the box, um, looking like they know what they're doing, um, that you'd really never notice that they're just kind of up there, um, you know, letting their, <laughs> letting their thoughts, you know, wander and hoping, hoping to get lucky. Um, you know, one thing that I'm interested, um, in, in doing that to kind of increase, um, some accountability and make me more thoughtful about the decisions that I'm making is because I, I felt, um, a big lapse in, in, in that, um, in, uh, in the last, uh, couple seasons. And again, there are some other things that, you know, perhaps, um, put me there, but, you know, sometimes it just felt, uh, as though, um, you feel, there's this feeling, I think, that when you know it's a crapshoot, um, you don't prepare for it because uh, you might not you might not have to, and that's a that's a that's like a, a really good way to think about hitting because um, you know it might just be your day where you know there's something about you that that you know the the pitcher just cannot hit a spot when he's facing you. It's a strange thing. Uh it's it's something that there's really no answer for. It happens in batting practice even. You'll you'll it's just, it's a it's a really amazing thing if you're around um somebody uh, you know a coach is throwing batting practice and he's throwing to a group of five guys he'll be grooving strikes right down the middle to four of the five guys. But there's one guy for some reason, he can't throw him a strike. Um, 
the same thing happens uh, in games. And uh, I've noticed that that, um, I noticed there's a big difference from being the man and uh, hitting at the top of the order. Um, depending on the pitcher, you'll have, you'll have some pitchers that rise to the occasion and they actually pitch you tougher, so that'll happen. But you have some pitchers that are, they're like, oh, this guy is the man, he's hitting first and he's hitting 300, I've got to really be careful, and they end up screwing up and um, you have the upper hand. Um, conversely, I felt um, not being the man, sporting um, a very unsexy batting average and hitting uh, right before the pitcher in the eight hole, <laughs> mm-hmm. and having having some pitch, some pitchers like seemingly like not not even take signs, and just you know like well what, what the fuck's this guy gonna do hit it I mean uh, you know so you know there's both things but that you know that right there actually just gave off um, a cue um, or a clue. Um, this past year, um, I think that um, I, I especially noticed myself noticing too much. Um, you know, for instance, you shouldn't ever see a pitcher's face. There's really there's 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 nothing you need there. Um, you know, you could only become comfortable or intimidated. Um, so there's nothing you need there. You, you're you're looking. You're waiting for the ball to appear above his head or you know wherever the slot is. Um, you know, I should, those are things that I shouldn't have been noticing. I should not have been, uh, processing the fact that, wow, it seems like in the eight hole, these guys are just, <laughs> these guys are just yes. getting dirty on me. Don't think about um, that, Fernando Perez. Don't, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Well, you're the man, right? I mean, that's what you're saying is, is, so, you know, at any given point, you have, you know, you're, you have this true talent, right? But then you're obviously, like, your brain, you know your brain interacts with with your body's true talent too so to work at the at the height of your talent you have to be convinced that you are the best version of fernando perez right yeah right and if you're and yeah and if you're not yeah. because i mean i've never i've um i can't hit a 90 well i can't i can barely hit a 75 mile per hour fastball point being that that like you know you, even just like even when it's just like you know going to the store, if you're not like if you're not like on your game, then you can get overwhelmed. You know, it's a it's just mm-hmm. a question of uh, yeah. right. I mean, it could, it could you know, but it's just so, overwhelmed in the sea in the sea of like decisions that you could possibly make. Right, right. Well, yeah, like what know. granola do I want? I I like the raspberry <laughs> frequently, but there's also this great uh, oh, there's a hemp in granola. I haven't tried that. Haven't tried that yet. I don't want the hemp granola. I'll be honest with you. I don't really want it. So I was on my game for that one. Hey, listen. Uh, uh, what our listeners may not know is that I think it's 1 a.m. where you are. Yes, it is late. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let Fernando Perez go to bed <laughs> or do whatever it let's. is, what he does at 1 a.m. But listen, I, I really want to say from the bottom of the bottom of my heart, uh, this was a lot of fun and and uh, it was really nice to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. And um, just the last thing that I would say, I think, um, as I mentioned in the email, um, you know, I'm really, really interested um, in the event, say that this, um, you know, thing um, becomes a thing that that someone else would read. um, You know, it wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm going to do it and I'm going to see it and and it'll serve its purpose for me. But, you know, why I was, why I kind of mentioned the word outsourcing this to you is because I think for it to, um, for it to be potentially really, really interesting, um, there could be, you know, some things that, you know, we're not even considering that, you know, perhaps someone out there that has even listened this far, um, you know, uh, has, has an idea for and, you know, um, Spring training is uh, still a little ways away, um, and so there's lots of time for me to consider a lot of the, you know, things that I'm that I'm going to, the devices that I'm, uh, you know, going to use. So, so are you uh, looking? Yeah. So, are you looking specifically for, or would you be interested in encouraging other other players to keep a similarly detailed record? Is that the idea? 
No, I wouldn't want to do that. I, yeah. I would never want to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. Right. Um, I, I, um, for, I'm, what I'm saying is that, um, I think it could be very, very interesting if there are some, um, if there are some curiosities, say, that fans have of, you know, could you, could you document, I mean, some, this is, this is, uh, funny and, and perhaps a little bit subversive, but I mean, I think I said before, so it can't be that subversive. Um, there was a fan, uh, a, a guy I was talking to and he said that he was very, very curious about the time in which, um, guys chose to take dips in the game. He was very, very, very curious about the, the precise moment in which, in which it happened for, you know, say his favorite players. He was, I forget who, he, who he was talking about. And I actually have an idea, but I don't want to say it just because I, you know, maybe it's a secret that this guy, um, uses tobacco, but you know, something, something like that. Like I, I don't intend on, on, um, on dipping. Um, but you know, Thing, little things like that, small curiosities that um, really have never occurred to me that would be interesting for somebody to see, um, you know, uh, uh, kept and, and, and recorded with, um, you know, precise detail. Um, you know, again, this is um, the players are, are, the, are the smallest part of the game. It's a thing. Um, a lot of people really don't understand it's a thing. It really, it really belongs to, um, to the fan. I mean, the, the, the players are, they're just kind of, uh, I don't know, they, they, we wear the uniforms, but the, the whole thing, especially in, in fantasy world and fantasy baseball world and, and all of these things, it, it really, this is, it's a thing that really, really belongs to the fan. So perhaps the, um, perhaps the best thing, um, would be were would be uh, for me to be driven explicitly by many things that um that fans um uh of the game are curious about. That is a Skype call from my mom and dad. <laughs> well, let, let's let you talk to your the mom. The night's not over. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, uh, so uh, well, let's uh, we can uh, follow that up then, uh, perhaps. Um, and. Perhaps yeah. Off the air, we'll uh, have some correspondence regarding that. But uh, get to your mom and dad, and and again, thank you so much for joining us, Fernando Press. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was really fun talking to you. Yeah. All right. That's Fernando Press. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been an excellent episode of Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.